It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johara Tundok and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit BlackstoneMotors.ie for more details. You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We have lots for you over the next couple of hours, as usual. I'll bring the curtain down on Mary Black, my artist of the week. David Sheehan is here with his uh, weekend sports preview. We'll talk to a man who ran... 35 marathons in 35 days for a very special reason. We have a frugal mammal with us on the show and I have a riddle for you this Friday as usual. Don't forget the usual numbers 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp or text me to the show or if you'd like to call in it's 1850-715-958. It's a contradiction but my first guest today says the COVID-19 pandemic probably saved his life. Darren Casey from Dundalk is the longest serving member of the Riverdance cast and he joins me from the UK where Riverdance is celebrating its 25th anniversary playing to sold out theatres. Darren, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. How are you, Jerry? How's things? Good, good, good and great to talk to you today. God, just on that point there before we get to the meat of the matter, 25th anniversary, longest serving member of the cast, must be great to be back on stage. Yeah, well, no, I haven't been there 25 years. I'm no. Old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> 14. I, 14 years I've been here for this show. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. The, uh, the 25th anniversary production is, is something else. And it's it's amazing that 25 years on, I suppose, that the show is still selling out arenas across the world. Like, we're currently here in Newcastle. Tonight's our opening night in there, the biggest arena that they have. So it's just amazing, 25 years on, that the mm. show is still jam-packed absolutely everywhere we go. It's great. Another irony that you're in Newcastle today because you're probably aware the football club there was taken over yesterday by a yeah. group associated with Saudi Arabia and overnight they've become the wealthiest football club in the world. They're going mad there for it. Yeah, they're going absolutely mental. And I, was, uh, I wasn't their biggest fan yesterday when I was trying to get across the city because <laughs> the place was packed. Um, but yeah, there's some buzz. And, uh, I don't think that it'll be the same fans that our Newcastle fans will be coming to the River Down no. tonight. But you never know. You might see a few... <laughs> A few magpies at it tonight later on. <laughs> there certainly will. They'll be there in their droves anyway. As you said, you're 14 years uh, with Riverdance. And let's yeah. go back to that time that everybody remembers. Who can forget March 2020? You were in New York City at the time. We were. We um, we had done, I think we had done about 10 weeks of the, the 25th anniversary production. 
uh, at the time, by the time we got to New York. So we'd been in the States for about 10 weeks and um, everywhere we went, this, the show had gone down amazing. And then obviously the pinnacle of that tour was to be Radio City and, you know, back in, back where it hasn't been there for, I think, since the 10th anniversary. So it was sold out, 6,500 people each night. And it was absolutely, it was crazy. You know, Gene Butler and some of the original members that were there you know, back in 1994, we're all in the audience and it was just really, really absolutely, it just felt momentous, you know, it felt everything that it should have felt and little did we know that within two days time we'd We'd be taking it all down and heading home, so it was it was definitely a roller coaster of a few days. Mm, the Radio City is marvelous. I've been there at the Rockettes a few uh, Christmases to see yeah, them. We're not uh, too different from them ourselves. It's just a few boys and girls, not just all girls here. <laughs> yeah. <never> done. <laughs> <Yeah>. The Irish Rockettes. <laughs> Yes, but what a, what I mean, the point to make, it's a simply wonderful venue to experience and, and enjoy a show. And so look, at you had to hightail it then back home to Ireland. And I did say in the introduction, you do maintain that perhaps but for that, had had, had if it hadn't happened and you continued yeah. on touring and we had no pandemic, you think you could have been in big trouble. Tell our listeners why. What happened? Yeah, well, I suppose I'd say anyone who saw that headline of the Argus and I, I want to thank Margaret Ruddy for it because it was a great write-up but I'd say anyone who was kind of just flicking through saw that headline and was thinking to themselves this one is nuts what does he mean the pandemic here saved his life but for me I suppose it really did um, uh, I suppose it kind of starts you know months previous to pre-pandemic I, I just kind of noticed over time I was getting I was getting sick quite a lot but you know we were in the States so we were touring around kind of cold places in Toronto and Montreal up in Canada and then we came down and you know, we were in freezing places. So I, was getting, I got a chest infection and there was this and that and I was kind of off a few shows and all the rest. But I kind of just didn't bat an eye in it. And uh, truth be told, Jerry, we were probably burning the candle at both ends. You know, we are in New York living the life. So we were working hard, but we were definitely playing hard as well. But then the pandemic hit, came back from New York and I suppose over the next month or two, that was March. So yeah, maybe April, May, um, I just wasn't well. I just wasn't feeling well. And, you know, I knew it wasn't COVID. I kept getting tested and all the rest. So I went into the doctor and, you know, a few weeks later, I uh, found myself getting checkups and they found pneumonia had been sitting on my chest for some time, um, which, you know, we won't call anyone bad at the job. Well, a few American doctors have a few things to answer for. <laughs> they kind of missed it at the time, I suppose. Mm. But um, we, we found that. And then through further tests, we found that it was kind of, it was deeper than that, and there was um, some specks surrounding my lungs, which were cancerous. And uh, I had this kind of like cancerous skin condition that had been going on for some time. And unfortunately, that normally gets treated with a daily tablet. On my behalf, it, it wasn't going to be the case. So bearing in mind, I was doing all this by myself because of the pandemic. Nobody could come with me to the hospitals. And, and it was kind of all blasé. It was nothing that I kind of... I was highbrow, but, you know, mm. I knew obviously pneumonia was serious, but I knew I'd get there. You know, I had built up, I was strong from being touring and the doctor said, you know, you know, vitals and stuff like that are all good and you have, you know, you're in a strong position to fight this. I don't think they really thought as deep into it as it, as it, as it became. But, um, yeah, so I just remember sitting in Bowman Hospital one day and I was sitting by myself across from this oncologist and he just said, listen, I think it's best we, uh, we, we do some chemotherapy. And I, I actually, I actually stood up off the chair and I said, "Are you sure you're the right person here? Because I don't feel like someone who should be about to go through chemotherapy." Like it just didn't, it just didn't register with me that it was me he was talking about. 
so um, yeah, it just it really it really hit home. Obviously, my mum previous to this had went through cancer, so just so many emotions and so many things that went through my head. And obviously, you start thinking the worst, like you know, cancer is cancer. How how bad is this going to get? And you start thinking about your. I remember the girl, the oncologist assistant, who was going to go through all the steps with me and. He got to the, the hair loss bit and I said, you can skip that bit, you can skip that bit, I just keep going. I'm just kind of numb to everything she was saying. Mm. Um, so then, yeah, I got home and just kind of spoke about it with the family. Obviously, I was completely devastated and you don't see the light for a few days, you know, you you just like kind of, you know, you, you don't see your way out and, you know, you, not that I had put myself, you know, six feet under anything like that at the time, but you just think the worst, you know? Yeah. So um, then the, the next steps had to be put in place for me to get chemotherapy, yeah. Six months of chemotherapy. Did you... Yeah. Did you... Look, through that six months, I want to ask you, did you find yeah. it tough? Was, was it tough at times? I know your weight ballooned, didn't it? Yeah, I was I was like James and the Giant Peach, except I was the actual peach. It was... I never thought I'd... Um, I never thought I'd ever dance again, first and foremost. That was one of the hardest things for me, you know, and through all of this, um, I I have to like have to have strong strong feelings and thank Riverdance so much because they were there for me the entire time. You know, I spoke to them all the time about what I was going through and all the rest. And you never think that you're going to talk to them on a work basis again because you know chemotherapy it, it kills everything in your body. And I remember sitting getting my first one and I was you know shaking absolutely shaking. I remember the nurse putting that red bell in my hand and she said if you feel anything different because obviously your body has never had anything like this before just give it a press and I remember looking at my mum was allowed to come in with me for the first one because it's your first one and they allowed her to come in and um, I remember just thinking what the hell is this going to do so I was sick I won't, I won't lie I was sick for a few days after each one I know there's people who go through a lot worse than I have um, so I, I look at myself as lucky in, in that terms but uh, yeah my weight ballooned and and all those things, I, I, I made the decision to get rid of my own brewing because, you know, that's something you can control yourself. I'm, I'm lucky enough that that can grow back. And it's the one thing when you're going through cancer treatment, I suppose, that you have control of. Um, as a man, anyway, I suppose people feel differently. But uh, I took the initiative to shave that off. And that was a tough day. My brother-in-law, Connor, he did that for me. And there was tears. And it's all these things that they, they kept coming. In my mind, it just kept going back to my job and, you know, Less than six months previous to that, I was on stage in Radio City, and here I am mm. in Bowman's Hospital and going home and shaving my head. It just all didn't seem real, you know? Yeah, my, my. It's such a, a turnaround in life. But it turned around again because you went through this, you got through it. And when did the treatment finish? Was it March of this year? It was just March of this year, yeah. It's, it's actually crazy. Every time I talk about it, it's crazy to think that, you know, just the beginning of this year, I was still getting treatment. But uh, listen, I just not a day that I that goes by that I don't thank absolutely everyone here on earth and in heaven that I am where I am and that I'm back like like I said to you I don't I didn't ever think I'd put a pair of dancing shoes on let alone get back on tour with Riverdance and uh, like I remember my recovery after I finished I was determined there was one day I just decided to myself you know I can lie down here and I can lie down and die in terms of my career I knew I was going to come out the other end health wise because I was young and I wasn't prepared to lie down and die that way but um, I just said, I'm going to get there. And I remember the recovery at the, at the start, like I started walking my, myself, my, my cousin Simone, we used to, you know, we used to go out for these long walks or go up the lumpers and all this stuff. And 
my nerve endings and stuff in my legs took a few months to come back around. I remember having to stop because it was just too painful to walk. And there was those constant daily battles that you had to go through. But I had, I had that's the biggest one, you know. I knew I wasn't, cancer wasn't going to get a hold of me. So I just knew that these little ones I could, could, could overcome. So there's not a day go by that I don't wake up on tour and just be like, oh my God, I'm actually back on tour. Or when I'm on stage. And the first show that I did when I came back, I'd said there was people in the audience who obviously didn't know my story because I'm just one of the Joe Sows in the line in, in Riverdance, you know, and I'd said there people that can think that man's emotionally unstable. He needs to be taken off that stage. It was, <laughs> I was crying my eyes out and trying to smile. So it's kind of that, that in-between ugly smile and cry face that you pull, which isn't great, yeah. So, but it was, uh, it was emotional all around, yeah. <laughs> I, I know why you've won. <laughs> And so, so do the listeners today. It's quite obvious. This wasn't going to beat you, Darren Casey, for sure. But look, emotionally aware and rightly so. Why not? You know when you yeah. did put on the shoes for the first time and get up and to start back on, on that road? That's a great lift in itself. But you must have been drained, were you? You know when you get back into this again to get up to the oh, level yeah. you need, yeah? I mean, I suppose even, even up to like the... I think it might have been week three of this tour, I was still kind of finding my feet now mm. given the high that I had got to you know when I got to the point before I came on tour that I was I could put my shoes on and actually train with the idea of going back on the road I was delighted I was in such a high I was like yes I can do this and you know there was a few weeks I won't lie there was a few weeks where you know Riverdance were contemplating offering me the contract because from a company point of view they'd never been in a position where they've had to to rehire someone who had just you know overcame or got the all clear from cancer and all the rest and it was risks as far as they're concerned, and obviously I wasn't stupid to that. But um, so I'd beaten all those kind of demons that I was going to get there, and I put the shoes on for the first time. And then I was like, oh, mother of divine God, I mean, there's not a chance I'm going to be able to dance. I felt like a beginner. I felt like I needed to go back to Mona Ruddy's dancing class where I started. So about when I was eight years of age, I started learning to do me one, two, threes again. I had Bambi in my shoes, but uh, I fought through it. I kept the music going. I danced the show like twice a day at home in my sitting room because obviously you can't go anywhere. Um, and yeah, I suppose the more I did it, the more you listen to the music, uh, I knew that I'd get back there. And uh, thankfully, I just kind of kept my head down and, and here I am, yeah. You are uh, a world champion Irish dancer. And of course, when you mention Mona Roddy, well, you're just talking about royalty when it comes. Yeah. And, and her school and her daughters following her there as well. What age did you begin at? I started Irish dancing when I was eight years of age. I remember it. I remember coming out uh, on my street, I live in Fatima Drive in Dundalk, and I remember coming out and, you know, the kids that I used to play with, they're all gone one day. And I remember being like, where is everyone gone? And they said, we're going to this Irish dancing class. And, you know, came from a, a football in Shamrock, Sethi family. And I was like, I want to go to Irish dancing class. And I remember everyone being like, oh, here we go. What's going on here? So I went anyway, and it turned out a few weeks later that I was half decent at it. And a few weeks after that, we found out that actually... Mona is related. My 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 nana was a ruddy, so it was kind of in my blood, so to speak. And yeah, eight years of age, and I've been doing it since then. I never thought, I suppose, that it, nor did my mother when she was probably broke every Sunday, sending me to fashions here, there, and everywhere. I never thought that it would turn into a career, but it does, thankfully. Mm. And it still to this day will. And I genuinely believe for another twenty five years, Riverdance will be making careers for young fellas and young ones like me. 
It will indeed. It's absolutely timeless. And it's just this phenomenon. I remember the first night I saw it, watching the Eurovision, and I just sat back and thought, wow. And look what's happened since with it. So you're in Newcastle today, and you head on then through the UK on this tour? Yeah, yeah we're, we're right up until the 15th of the fifteenth of December we finished this tour. And um, we're doing it, we close it with the week in Hammersmith Apollo. And to bring me right back down to Earth on the 16th of December, I'll be in Bowman Hospital getting all my checks, Jerry. Ah, <laughs> well, you know. Just making sure I'm right for Yes, this, you know. yes. And, and, and you, I don't have to tell you, that's very, very important as well that you do. And, uh, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, the care and the guidance of the wonderful medical people in Beaumont. And who oh, do this? they were this? unbelievable, you know, yeah, yeah. They were absolutely Fantastic. unbelievable the whole way through. And the hospice and all my family and friends. You know that that got me through it. Everyone was amazing. I wouldn't obviously mm. be here without all of those. Has it changed you as you know the person that Darren Casey was? What 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 what? You know, it's a huge thing. You've just told us the story there. When you look at yeah. you then and now, what's the difference in your life? Um, I suppose I and you're probably better off handing this phone over to some of the cast people here at Riverdance, and they'd probably give you an honest answer if it's changed or not. But, um, yeah, no, listen, it definitely has. I appreciate everything and everywhere we go and every show. And, you know, John McCulgan, our director, always says, you know, every night is opening night. And, you know, when I was 14 years in the show, there's sometimes those things get said to you and you roll your eyes and like, well, you come on, just let us get this show over us and, you know, go out or you go and see this city and all the rest. But, you know, when I first thought that I'd never put on that costume or dance to that music again or mm. hear the audience clap every night or get see the standing ovation. Like, that broke my heart. So every time I see it now, each day, no matter where we were, or no matter where, how big or how small the audiences are, it definitely changes it. Like, I mean, yeah. it just makes me appreciate every single treble I do, let alone every, <laughs> every step I take, you know? Do you know something? You've just given us such a lift to speak to you today. You're inspirational, you're wonderful, your outlook is marvellous. Sometimes it could go yep. it could go either way. You could have been putting the debt notice. Oh, on. listen, yeah, come off out of that. Don't even don't even <laughs> contemplate that. There's years and years ahead for Darren Casey. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Very I wish you well. You. God bless you. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye-bye, Darren. The wonderful Darren Casey. Coming up after two on Late Lunch, we meet Frugal Mama. And I'll have your riddle on Friday for your after news and weather at two. But this month, I want to remind you, is Irish Music Month here on LMFM Radio. And we're so proud to support it in conjunction with Hot Press, the BAI Sound and Vision Fund and XL Retail. And on Monday, here on Late Lunch, after news at three o'clock, we will reveal our five finalists for Irish Music Month. I'm really looking forward to that. And do stay listening as we spotlight your favourite Irish stars throughout the month of October because we are promoting the amazing work of Irish artists. And with that in mind this afternoon, heading towards news and weather at two o'clock, well, what do you say about these fellas? Probably the greatest Irish artists of all time. Is that fair to say? Yes, it's you too. And the sweetest thing, you are in late lunch land. We love you. Stay with us on the show.
Darren Casey is an inspiration to all. I absolutely love his positivity and I'm wishing him many, many more years of dancing, says Hester. Hester, I concur with you and others do as well. Thanks for that lovely message for Darren. Wasn't he just fantastic? He really, really was. Now it's time for your riddle on this Friday, October the 8th and I have a nice little prize to send out to one of you. Listen carefully. I will say this only once. I'm a liar, aren't I? I always say it more than once. Anyway, I wouldn't do that to you. But here it is for the first time. Well, I'll say it. I'll give you a couple here now. Here we go. Riddle on Friday. A girl has as many brothers as sisters, but each brother has only half as many brothers as sisters. How many brothers and sisters are there in the family? I'm nearly confused myself reading that. Anyway, here we go again. A girl has as many brothers as sisters, but each brother has only half as many brothers as sisters. How many brothers and sisters are there in the family? Answers, please, to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. How many sisters and how many brothers? So I'm looking for both. You need to give me both sisters and brothers in the family, please. And good luck to you with that one. We'll be back to it a little bit later on on the show. Now, look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. A mantra I've heard from a young age, and I'm sure you have too, and it's a mantra for many down the years, and one that springs to mind today in the context of my next guest. I'm delighted to say hello to frugal mama, Chloe Simmons. Hello, Chloe. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. Well, you're frugal mama, Ireland. Now, I take it, is this an international franchise that you are the Irish version of? Oh, there's a huge community of um, people trying to live below their means and get control of their debt and, I suppose, get ahead with their money. There's a, it's a global thing at this point. So, it's all over the world, this Frugal Mama movement, and you are Frugal Mama Ireland. Are there others? I take it there are people following you in Ireland, yes? Oh, there is, yeah. Um, there's, I think, 2,000 people following oh, me now. Very, very good. And you live in lovely Dramod in County Leitrim. I do, yeah. I had a fantastic steak there in Cox's one time. Are you familiar with it? It's only across the road from me. Ah, be the God, I'll tell you one thing. They do a fine steak, I'll tell you that. And uh, beautiful. I was in there once on my way to fish Lock Arrow with Ken, my, my, my fishing friend. Anyway, that's just as an aside. So listen, tell me how you found out about this and what what is the essence of Frugal Mama? Um, I started my page um, just because I wanted to get control of our debt and sort of... Um, get control of our money and originally I was only on there stalking other pages to get inspired by them and I started sharing our own journey then I suppose three months into it and it's sort of grown from that Um, the whole idea really is to get control of your money and not be always wondering where it's gone and um, to start making your money work for, for you instead of you always working for your money. Okay, so did you feel your finances were out of control? We started 2020 in over 40,000 euros worth of debt and now, December of this year, we will be completely debt free. Wow. That's a great achievement, I have to say, Chloe. Well done to you. That is <laughs> something else. It, it, it really is. 
it just shows you what you can do when you tackle this. So come on, we're all ears now. What were the main areas you addressed, you know, to clear that debt? How did you do it? Um, we just stopped spending money on stuff that wasn't, it wasn't essential and it wasn't bringing any joy to our lives. And, um, you know, like just frivolous spending on things that you weren't really getting any value out of. Um, I suppose our biggest thing was probably just going on, uh, you know, like adventures out, going here, there and everywhere around the country and not really paying any heed to where we were spending our money. Mm. So you would say on uh, breakaways, entertainment, restaurants, that type of stuff? It was, yeah. And then, you know, we were spending an awful lot of money on food that we were throwing in the bin. Ah, well, you see, I saw your blog. Well, I've seen a number of your blogs, of course. Uh, The one on meal planning. And I just thought to myself, you used to say it's not worth a damn meal planning. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know where to begin with how important meal planning is. Because if you think about it, you're spending your money on something that in theory you're going to eat. But if you don't eat it, you've spent the money driving to the shop buying the food, driving home with it, storing it in your fridge or freezer or whatever, only to then pay to put it in the bin. Mm. It's and just complete lunacy to, to yeah, not... And, and you, you, you made the point, did you? Was it, was it uh, instant gravy or jars or something? You went to the shop and it was nearly like autopilot and your husband said to you one day, what the hell are you coming with another one of those from? When you looked in the, the press, there were six or seven of them. Was it gravy I'm talking about or something like that? It was gravy and it went flying over the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, at you're saying, you know the way people say, make a list and buy what you need in the shop, but you think in a way that we become sort of robotic and we buy the same thing every week and a lot goes out. Is that what you're saying to me? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you're not checking what's in your press, I guarantee you, you're buying the same thing all <laughs> the time and then it's going out of days before you get to use it. So what do you do? Do you shop on a daily basis now? I don't. I shop weekly, but I would have an idea what's in my presses the whole time. And I would use, you know, like you buy your fresh carrots and onions and things. I would use that for the first few days of the week. And then um, towards the end of the week, you'd start getting creative. It would be leftovers or it would be stuff out of the freezer that you've Mm. batch cooked or... Mm. Um, you know, handy meals, or if you're planning on having a takeaway, you'd have it written down on your meal plan, and you'd know that you were going to have a takeaway on a Friday, and not yes. bother buying food for that Friday. Then, very good. So, so you do think, you know, I know you said it's not watered down, but there is planning involved in this, but it's a certain type of planning as well. So, you've saved money. You're telling me definitely now, big saving to be had there by shopping cutely, knowing what's in your presses, planning if you're having a takeaway night. That has saved you as well. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so breakaways, entertainment, the food, anything else, you know, claw back uh, that 40,000? I don't know. Um, I suppose my husband, he's a a magpie. So he loves um, shiny things. And the the shinier, the better. He loves shopping and going for clothes. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, It could be shopping for tools, fishing stuff, clothes, anything. He just loves shopping. And so um, we started making a list when he would want something. Let's say it was a new tool or whatever. And instead of saying, OK, we'll get that this week, I, I started making a list of those things. And then for his birthdays and Christmas, 
that's what he would get instead of something that he actually didn't want at all. Okay, so you controlled that man, you kept him away from the shops and his impulses, you got under control as well. Are you the, uh, you know, the yin and the yang in a relationship? Are you the yang? Are you the opposite to that? I would have my spending days, but I wouldn't be as bad as he is. He, <laughs> he admits he's a magpie. <laughs> Um, but really, like, with, with looking at all this, you've been, you will clear that debt. That debt will be gone. Oh, it, it's all, last year we paid 23802 And this year we will pay 17520 And it will be gone. Never to come back again. What a feeling that is to be debt free in your life. I, I, do you own your home? Do you mind me asking you? We don't. The, the entire point behind this entire thing was... We're on a one-income family and the mortgage crowd won't give us a mortgage on our income with any debt. So that was what really spurred this on. I see. So you will ultimately uh, borrow to buy your own place. That's the aim of the game. Ah, the the aim of the game would be to borrow as less, uh, the smallest amount of money we possibly can. Okay. And buy the house that fits our needs, not go buying that and flashy, not go buying something... You know, that impresses the neighbours. It'll be what fits us and fits our needs and that'll be it. Yes, so you're very practical in that sense as well and that, that is a very, very good way to be. And I, I hope you don't mind me saying lovely, Leitrim, beautiful county and Dramod. You're in a good county to buy. It's, it's you know, it's very uh, competitive for property prices. Oh, you know, it, it really was. And then COVID hit. Um, just from a rental point of view, this time last, no, maybe two years ago, uh, three beds semi-detached would have rented for around 650 a month. And because of COVID and the housing crisis and all that jazz, that same house now will rent for over €1,000 a month. Oh, so you've, so, had, you've had the jump, you know what I mean? But in general terms, when you look at the map of Ireland and you look at the price of houses, so the rent is well up and I hear what you're saying. Do you know the price of buying a house? Leitrim was very uh, cost-effective to buy a house in. It, it, it was very, very cost-effective. It's starting to feel yeah. the, the pinch the re- okay. same way the rest of the country okay. is. Not yeah. to the same extent, mm. by any means. But our prices have gone up. So will you try to save now away uh, when you're clear to accumulate some cash then and then see what you can do from there to get your own place? Would that be the idea then? The idea would be to save as hard and as fast as we can and... Um, see where we are then. Ideally, we would like to get, uh, I don't know, at least 20, 30% of a deposit. Okay, great. And reduce the amount that we have to borrow. Yeah. What about clothes and fashion and you and him and, and that type of stuff? Do you recycle a lot? Are you impulsive in that area? Because clothing, clothing can cost a lot too. So for the kids, um, my oldest, he would get um, clothes for his birthday and Christmas. And, you know, if you need something urgently, he'll get that. Um, but I'll be careful about how I'm buying it. I'll go and look for the best price and look for the best quality for what we can afford and all that. Mm. And then he passes his stuff down to the youngest. Right. Myself, I haven't really bought anything in two years now. Um, I've bought... I bought two skirts in the summer and that was about the height of it. Mm. And my husband, being an electrician, he goes through snickers like nobody's business. Mm. So we bought a few of them, um, a couple of winter coats, and that's it. We mm. haven't really bought any clothes in about mm. two years now. And you're, you're not 
starving. You, you, you eat well and, and, and you uh, have a lovely range in your food. You uh, have cut back in areas, as you mentioned to me. You don't feel you're losing out or missing out or deprived you or your children, do you, in any way with this mantra? No, the entire point is to spend your money on things that actually matter to you. So if it was for my husband, it's tools. So there's no point in me buying him cheap tools that he will never use. So we put the money into the things that matter to us. Mm. Um, Family occasions matter to us, like birthdays and things. So we put money into that. Things that don't matter to us is, I suppose, branded food. If if it's not if it's going to be eaten and it's the same quality and we like the taste of it. There's no difference, really. So we just spend the money where where we get the most value, and there's there's no need to be depriving yourself. Mm. So you don't feel you're missing out or losing out in any way at all. No, absolutely not. And um, we were never really the the source to be, I suppose, too wild with our money in the first place. So mm. no, we we don't feel like we're missing out on anything. What about television at home? You know, geez, when I look at what I'm paying for this uh, satellite stuff and that, sure, I, I don't know, I always say I'm going to get shot of or whatever and, and I never do because I do love uh, especially the sport on it or that. H- have you any subscriptions in that area or how do you fare out? Your children, I'm sure, enjoy TV too. Do you know we have a lot of subscriptions? We have um, YouTube, Netflix, Amazon. We have a whole host, we even have Sky, we have a whole host of things. Um, and that's something that matters to us so that's an yes. area that we put money into okay yeah yeah and that's because good because we don't go out very, very yeah. much or do much though. yeah 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 of course you have to balance things things out as well um, what about family and friends and the social circles you move in and the CU frugal mama Chloe Simmons what, what, what's their take on, on, on your life now and what you're doing do you know, it's like they're the ones doing it. Um, they, they've gotten so behind us. And I know that when we get debt free and we eventually buy the house, they're going to be cheering and crying just as much as we will be. Mm. Um, in the beginning, I suppose, they, they thought I'd lost the run of myself completely mm. and just thought I was being a cheapskate and whatnot. But after a while, they started seeing results and then they were like, oh, do you know, this is actually going somewhere. She's not daydreaming this will actually do something and it's it's going somewhere so mm. they, they got behind us and they've all been very supportive Wow that's really terrific well you know I'm delighted to talk to you today on the show and air you and Frugal Mama as well and hear the ins and outs of it you're great I say again for clearing that debt and I wish you well with accumulating your deposit uh, for your home uh, and uh, I'm sure you will uh, have your uh, own place sooner rather than later with the way you're going forward at the moment but anyway if they want to follow you Frugal Mama Ireland you're there you're great on Instagram oh my god you're an Instagram queen (laughs) (laughs) oh there's some crowd on there in the Irish Dead Free community there's some amazing people okay Okay, well, look, they are there. And if you're touched or you feel you'd like to find out more, you're curious about anything we've spoken about, do check her out. Frugal Mama Ireland. Chloe, wish you well. Thanks for telling us your tale today. Thank you so much for having me on. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And it just shows you happy as the days long. The woman is and our family as well. And it doesn't have to cost a fortune. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. 
Oh, I think I struck you with the riddle. We'll give Louise a go at it after the break. It's a really distressing message. Uh, Jerry, I'm a healthcare worker and I'm struggling so much. I'm so tired and just fed up. Can I please ask you for help? I worked so hard during the pandemic and I feel work never supported us properly. Staff should have been offered counselling. Work has not offered this opportunity to us. That's real worry, Louise, isn't it? To get a message like that from somebody. Yeah. You know, a cry for help there. you got to... I think you've got to make how that known. She, how does she need help? It's just to put he, right there, yeah. is or it? Or he, he or, or she, he. he or she. We don't know whether it's he or she. You know, you're looking for help. I'm not sure how we can help mm. you, to be honest with Maybe you. Maybe just to raise awareness. Maybe to raise awareness yeah. of it, or if you want us to put it, you in touch perhaps with somebody. But you, you should go back to your work. You need to talk to the people in your workplace mm. and make that known to them and ask for help. Do not hold back now. If you need help, you've got to go and ask for it and you've got to... Go to work. You, you maybe you need to see your GP soon as well and raise the hair there. But HSC maybe have a helpline. Mm, there could be. We'll check that out. See if we can get something on that for you. But um, I hope uh, you're feeling better soon. And sorry to hear how you're feeling on on the show today. Um, the riddle. I'm just coming back to the riddle. Do you think you know it? No. <laughs> I'll read it. I'll read it once more. Slowly. The riddle on Friday. A girl has as many brothers as sisters. But each brother has only half as many brothers as sisters. How many brothers and sisters are there in the family? I think you feel like that person there. Jerry, my head is hurting today with that riddle. <laughs> it must be the weather. <laughs> I can't even string together an answer. Did you not have, have a kind of a similar one a couple of months ago that we thought of? Sorry, had a discussion yeah, it, it, over. Yeah, it was similar. It was similar, <laughs> similar. But, similar, but it wasn't the same. Now, somebody says one sister and two brothers. Uh-uh. That's what I was thinking. You said that too. Somebody says one sister and one brother. Uh-uh. Others say six, two, four. It can't be a single answer, folks. You must answer how many brothers and sisters are in the family. I'm looking for two numbers. Now, I will say. Do you know the thought process? I sort to do. I sort to do, right? But there are a few cute hawks out there as well. I just see uh, in the last few moments. Yes. Okay. But... It's foxing a lot of people today. Give it a go if you can. Answers to 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or <laughs> and text And two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you be blinking complicated now. Just let's see can they get the brothers and the sisters. A girl has as many brothers as sisters, but each brother has only half as many brothers as sisters. How many brothers and sisters are there in the family? I'm nearly getting tongue-tied <laughs> myself, actually. <laughs> I hope they don't do Chris Kendall. <laughs> oh, oh, be the God. What, I mean, what can you do? You can't even now laugh in your life at all. Mother of God. Would um, you have got it if you didn't know the answer? No. <laughs> no, no. I don't have that type of... Uh, Mine, you know, there are people brilliant at getting yeah. them. They're just fantastic. No, I have to say, it'd want to be easy for me. Uh, at the type when you use the X and the Y to replace them, or oh, you know, when algebra kicks in. Stop the lights, them bloody equations at school. Christ almighty. Thank God I'm past that in my lifetime, anyway. And a long, long way past it, let me say. Anyway, today there's somebody having a very special birthday. Yes, Maria Carton is 40 today, and we want to wish her a uh, happy birthday from all of our family and friends and for you Maria on this special day here's Tom Baxter and the only way to say it is say it it's better 
Yes, she's celebrating her 40th birthday today. That's for Maria Carton from her family and friends. God, <laughs> the riddle. Oh, it's great this Friday. I love you and thank you for all the answers to the show. Jerry and Louise, is it four sisters and two brothers, says Melissa Andrade. No, sorry, Melissa, it's not. Three brothers and two sisters, says Flaming Eamon. No, 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 no. Des and Balbriggan, two brothers and two sisters. Sorry, Des, you're off the mark today. You're usually sharp and on the money. Tom Burns has been onto us from Inskeen. Hello, Tom. Uh, one boy and two girls. No, Tom, sorry. You're, you're a bit away, I have to say. Three brothers and three sisters, says somebody else. No, no, but you're getting a little warmer, let me say. And uh, more besides there coming to us. Sorry to rain on your parade. But if you want to give it another go, 86 658 by WhatsApp or text. A girl has as many brothers and sisters. Let me say that again. A girl has as many brothers as sisters, but each brother has only half as many brothers as sisters. How many brothers and sisters are there in the family? In the name of God, I need a drink after that. Anyway, stay with us because... After the break, we're joined by a man who ran 35 marathons in 35 days. Congratulations to all our recent LMFM Radio Bingo winners. Mary Sweeney from Gormanston and Geraldine Cregan. She's in Longwood. 200 euro each to them. Jerry, she healed. The boys are doing great in the bingo. I think they're doing better than the girls. From Lobenstown, Jerry is. He won 600 euro. The jackpot, €6,800. And don't forget, you can buy a book for next week's game online or from outlets across the North East. And for more information, log on to lmfm.ie. You can get your books there and you'll be in with a chance to win. And of course, the lotto, just to mention, the lotto jackpot, still the 19 point something million. Not won. Will it be won tomorrow? Anyway, there's big money going down to the next prize level as well for the five numbers and that as well. But it's going to be won someday, isn't it? Perhaps it'll be tomorrow evening the longest and the largest jackpot in Ireland for a long long time now my next guest I'm nearly sure I spoke to him when he was actually doing this but he ran 35 marathons in 35 days round the entire perimeter of the coast of the island of Ireland and he did it for a very special reason and he's now followed up with a book called Marathon Man I knew his dad well uh, believe me I did his name is Alan Corcoran and he's on the line hello Alan Hi good afternoon thanks for having me Milo Corcoran what a gentleman he was Alan Well thanks very much it's good to hear um, I heard that you knew him well yeah Ah, he was just something else. I'll tell you how I knew him. Because uh, when Drogheda United were flying high, uh, winning leagues and cups and Satantic Cups and travelling Europe, your dad was on most of the trips to Europe and he was, of course, the main man from the FAI's perspective involved with the Satanta All-Ireland Cup, which Drogheda won twice. And covering the games for LMFM and being involved with the club previously myself, I knew him from being involved and then knew him from that halcyon era. And I want to say to you this, many people knew you were coming on today. And they wanted me to say to you that Milo Corcoran was a gentleman and so good to football in Drogheda and Drogheda United in particular. That's uh, so lovely to hear. Um, yeah, he was football to the core, true and true. Since the early days, i say in the 70s, he started off in Waterford United Football Club and worked his way up um, through the FAI back in the, the 2000s. So yeah, he was football was his passion, passion in life and he pursued it with vigour. 
And you dedicate this book to him and your mother Marie as as well. And, you know, I can still see him with the tash and the head of white hair and the smile. And he was such a convivial gentleman, wasn't he? He loved the crack and he was a people's person, Milo. Yeah, that's why I sort of observed that growing up and going to all these football games that he always sort of seemed to draw people over to him. So hopefully a, a bit of him has rubbed off on me through the years. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it has, Alan. I'm sure it has. Well, I know, and one of the tenets of this book is uh, that Milo uh, took a stroke, and uh, it was a it was a bad one at that, Alan. When did that happen? Just take us back. What year and the circumstances around it? Yeah, Dad had a, a stroke when he was 60 years old back in 2011, um, and it left him without speech. He was unable to walk. He couldn't drive. Um, so yeah, a very, very tough time for him and for my family. Um, I was just a, a 20 year old student at the time. So that's sort of what kickstarted this 35 marathons and the marathon man challenge around Ireland. Mm. When did he pass away, Alan? It was 2016 after the, it was after Euros 2016. So we were all, all over in France cheering on the boys in green. Mm. And then shortly after that, he got the diagnosis about um, having bowel cancer. Oh. And it was only three three weeks in hospital, um, so it was very very big shock to us all. Um, yeah, and, and and did he cope with the you know the stroke was severe? He had made a, a recovery of sorts. He, he made a fantastic recovery with the help of the National Rehabilitation yes. Hospital there in Don Leary. So within within a year, he was back driving, back going My. to the, all the football matches mm, and mm. doing what he wanted to do and. Mm. Uh, yeah, 100%. He had a great recovery, really great mindset, just chipping away day in, day out with the, the NRH. Um, so really inspirational to me. Yeah. Now, the marathons, the 35 marathons in 35 days, an incredible achievement right round, as I said, the coast, the periphery of Ireland, uh, north and south. Tell us about this and, and why you undertook it. And you raised a lot of money, too. Yeah, I managed to raise um, €15,000 for the Irish Heart Foundation and their stroke awareness campaign, the Act Fast campaign, um, as well as the National Rehabilitation Hospital. That was very important for Dad that we were able to give back somewhat to all the great help that they did. And um, a charity that Dad was involved in called the Football Village of Hope, which he organised with Ophir Zardoch. Um, So they were very important charities to us. But yeah, it was... A lap of Ireland was the dream, and then it just worked out that it was 35 marathons. So uh, it was more of a romantic notion about going around Ireland on foot. The marathons was just sort of an afterthought, um, a bit of a a hook to get people donating to those charities. Mm. So we went with 35 marathons in 35 consecutive days with no day's rest. Wow, what a, a wonderful achievement that was. And I, of course, I knew Ophir too. He went on to work for UEFA after his time as CEO of Drahdi and himself and your dad became very friendly. And that uh, initiative it was so important. It was bringing together Israeli and Palestinian children. Yeah, I, yeah, it was um, It was something that my dad felt very passionate about and he had experience organising the uh, Satanic Cup. So I think that's how him himself and Ophir uh, clicked on that one, doing the, the cross-border relations. And um, he used to tell me about stories of going to Israel and seeing the the kids making mincemeat of each other at the start, flying tackles in the Palestinians against the Israelis. But he said after a few games of football, there was no more prejudice between them. They were all best of pals, arms around each other. So his face used to light up telling me about that. Mm. 
what do you do in, in, in your life? You're in the UK, I know, today. What have you pursued from college yourself? Uh, I'm just a, an office town planner. And then in my spare time, then I go after some of these uh, mad events like running around <laughs> Ireland or, or swimming the length of Ireland. So uh, sports and fitness um, is definitely a passion of mine, which obviously would have been triggered by that, getting into football from a very early age. Yeah, and you were involved, of course, in Waterford, in athletics and in football yourself from a young age as well. You have one brother, just to tell listeners, too, and, and he figures in this book. You've written this book about like your family and uh, your growing up and then going to college and then, you know, this undertaking of 35 in 35 days and you deal with it under a number of different headings just going back to that was there any of those days you thought listen I ain't going to get to the end of this road <laughs> no I, I actually kept a very positive attitude on, on this one I had 24 hours to cover 42.2 kilometers every day but uh, thankfully I didn't need um, the 24 hours I was finishing most of them between uh, four and a half hours and six and a half hours was my slowest one. So there was a few uh, testing days, to say the least. But um, yeah, just keep kept a positive attitude, had a great um, support crew there keeping me smiling. So mm. um, a step at a time and you'll get there. Ah, that's a good mantra. It really is to have. But you know, seriously, when you're doing that amount of miles day on day, following on from one another, no rest, no time for the body to recover, physically, your feet, your muscles and everything, it must have tested you to the limit. Were you, were you someone who'd been a, an ultra marathon runner before you undertook this? I was not. No, I gave myself eight months to get ready for this. Uh, pure naivety. <laughs> um, I was eight months out. I committed to doing this challenge without having ever run a marathon or even a half marathon. Um, so to, to find out a baseline, I signed up for the Dublin City Marathon with four weeks of training and I fell apart and I was <laughs> left, into, left in bed for three days going, jeepers, what have I signed up for here at all at all? But uh, just went back to the drawing board uh, with the help of a Mullingar man, Jerry Duffy, and uh, started building a base then and just training almost every day then for eight months to get ready for this, get my body in shape mm, and to get my mind in shape as well, more importantly. I was going to come to that. Besides the physical, it is that little space between the ears as well that plays a huge part. Big, big time, big time. And that's, I suppose, what I was, I guess I was nearly part-time at all this training. I was up to 116 miles in training uh, some weeks to get ready for this, this challenge, which ultimately was doing 190 miles for five straight weeks. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was from doing the training that gave me the confidence and uh, gave me a bit of toughness in the head. But that came from all my days uh, training as a track and field sprinter mm. uh, with Ferrybank AC. There was a lot, a lot of grueling t uh, sessions there growing up. And I think that that gave me the ability to push on through mm. some of these endurance events. Have you done any, have you done a marathon since you finished this? Um, I haven't actually. I've done a, I've done some half marathons just recently. I've got back into running, but yeah. in, in the meantime, I, I took up swimming and, and swam the length of Ireland um, on my second attempt. So I, I've been keeping busy, but I took a break from running and I've just got back into it again this year. Good really. on you. Good on you. That's great to hear. It, it really is. And when you were going round the coast and through the various counties, any one in particular stick in your mind or are you just focused on the task in hand? Are you able to take in anything that surrounds you or do you leave that for the evening when you're stopped somewhere just to uh, uh, take the break from a marathon and start another one the next day? 
it would sort of it would depend on day to day on how your how your body is is right. treating you. Uh, some days you could take it all in and like you'd just be in awe of the country that we have. I remember going into seeing Bel- Ben Bulbin for the first time and just being totally blown away by it. Mm. But then another half an hour later, and my Achilles could be flaring up and you'd be in absolute bits and cursing yourself and just looking at the the inch in front of you just trying to get that little bit further yeah. you wouldn't be taking in anything around you so mm. it, it, yeah it varied from day to day really what was the weather like did you again remind us the time of year you did it did you run in it, into any difficulty there were you washed to the skin any time or blown <laughs> away or things like that it was the summertime, but it right. also was Ireland. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I did get a, I was a drowned rat on some days and I was scalded, sunburnt on other days, even with the Factor 50 on, the amount of sweat I was doing. <laughs> yeah, you know, that is this country for you. So you've committed your journey in life, in work, in other things, and on these 35 marathons in 35 days to print now in this book called Marathon Man. And again, you're donating. You want to support uh, charity. Yeah, there's if it's a big if um, I can make the book profitable. Yeah, I'm putting 10% of it back into uh, my ferry bank, our ferry bank athletic club, which is my childhood track and field athletics club back in Waterford, mm. and also to Tremor AFC, where um, I played football for over 10 years. Mm. So it'll be nice to be able to give back to those guys. If I can get this over the break-even point, yeah. Oh, look, I'm sure you will with a with a push, which we're, which we're pushing you along here uh, this afternoon on the show. Where, how can people get hold of this book? Because it is a fascinating read and story. Where is it available from, Alan? Yeah, people can buy my Marathon Man book from marathonman.co. So that's marathonman.co. Or they can go into their uh, local bookstore and request it there. And it's also available on Audible. So I've recorded an audio book. Ah. So I think there's not too many Audibles with a, a Waterford accent like mine. <laughs> well, around, so well, I tell you. you can understand it. <laughs> we love the Daisha accent. We do. We only wish you would win a hurl in all Ireland and you'd take us all out of our misery. Between yourselves and Mayo, you're running us ragged. <laughs> I said it, it's next year every year ah so. oh, sure there has to be there are, there's always a next year Alan I don't have to remind always you that hope. yes there's always, always hope, hope. <laughs> in the sporting environs look I, I'm going to let you go today and, and do what you're doing uh, it's a great what you've achieved and the money you've raised and this book now marathonman.co that's all it is that co you can get the that's book there the website. yes yeah. that's it that's exactly. the website there and all the details are there I listen to you today and I hear Milo I just want to finish on that (laughs) thank you very much I really appreciate that Alan thank you for joining me on the show take care all the very best take care bye 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 that's Alan Cochran there son of the wonderful Milo Cochran and his book is called Marathon Man Pink and walk me home on your late lunch this Friday afternoon. (laughs) Louise and Jerry, holy God, you're bringing me back 50 years to Mary had five oranges and Johnny had two apples and somebody else had something else. What a nightmare. I can still remember Termin Feckin... (laughs) National School says Anthony and there's another one Jerry. that reminds me of the Peter Piper tongue twister can't get me tongue around it let no, let alone me head says somebody else oh the riddle today the riddle today it's been great it has you a little bit all over the place but anyway we'll give you the answer on the show after uh, 3 o'clock news uh, sport and weather we want to mention Bank of Ireland the branch is closing today Retoth at Boy and Enfield in County Meath and Dunlear in County Loud Louise all 
trading mm. for the last time today they closed their doors sign Terrible. of the times isn't yeah. it mm. a lot of people out there will be so sad yeah they'll, they'll be missed they really yeah. will be missed but you so know so helpful in, in the yes, branches like yes the only thing is in those places I mentioned on post are taking over uh, the services that Bank of Ireland provided so that's not so bad that it's not gone entirely but it's the way of the world with the online banking you know what I mean that's that's where I know, it's at. but a lot of people can't do the online. I banking. know, I know, I know, I know. But Jesus, they'll have to learn it, and you'll have to pick it up, and you'll have to be taught it, and you'll have to connect. And if you don't, it's racing away from you. That's that's just the way it is today. I'm sorry to say. And you know, you can learn at any age, Louise. We've done this True. before on late lunch. People yeah. have picked up the IT. 80s, 90s. Oh, no bother to them at all. So look at. Uh, it is a sad day to see uh, Bank of Ireland closing those branches. We think of the people who work there. There was a lady you wanted to mention in Dunleer. Oh, i just like to say best of luck to Martina. I in was Dunleer. in Dunleer the other day and um, okay. you know nothing is ever simple with me, so thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> yes, it's Louise Complicated Ferreter. That's her middle name. Her mammy gave it to her. Subsequently, they renamed her. Anyway, late lunch, <laughs> LMFM Radio, after news, sport and weather at three. My Artist of the Week, Mary Black and Sport with David Sheehan. Entertainment is on its way back and there are some great shows coming up. Flag a couple for you at the Knightsbrook Hotel in Trim. Brian Kennedy is appearing on Sunday the 7th of November and a week later on the 14th it's Mary Coughlin. She's there then. More information on both of the concerts can be had from the Knightsbrook Hotel itself. A girl has as many brothers as sisters but each brother has only half as many brothers as sisters. How many brothers and sisters are there in the family? Well, the answer is four sisters and three brothers. That is the correct answer. Four sisters and three brothers. And well done to you if you got it today. There were a number who have. There were lots of people having a shot at it and off the mark. Anyway, today's gift for us, uh, from us on Late Lunch goes to Linda Monaghan. Nobber in County Mead. It's on its way to Nobber. Linda, we'll be in touch with you to make the arrangements. Now, thank you all for participating in the fun. It's great. Now, Mary Black is my Artist of the Week this week. And did you know this? That Mary Black's voice, listen to this, was so good, it was used as a benchmark for comparing the quality of different hi-fi systems. Now, that is some testament to her voice. And she's regarded as the essence of of the Irish female voice. Do you know she's a regular visitor to this neck of the woods as well? I'm talking about Dundalk, North Loud, Ravensdale, because you see, Damien McCollum from Ravensdale is Mary's tour manager, and they're very close and they visit regularly. She's married to Joe O'Reilly, met Mary and Joe here in the studio a few years back. Uh, they have a daughter, Roshi No, who I mentioned yet, wonderful singer herself, and two sons, Connor and Danny of the Coronas fame, of course. And here's the good news, folks. I mentioned entertainment opening up. Well, Mary is back performing. She's on stage at the Olympia Theatre in Dublin in October and Vicar Street she takes in in November. So today, to bring the curtain down on Mary Black this week, my Artist of the Week, let's have a listen to Mary performing a Jimmy McCarthy song about a person about to emigrate from Ireland from the town of Kenmare. Beautiful, isn't it? Mary Black, my artist of the week, as I leave behind Nadine. 
And I think listening to that song, it's so emotional and so poignant. I think of all the people through the centuries and decades who left this country and got on boats to America and further afield and never, ever came back again. And I think of the people in my own era in the 80s when there was no work and nothing in this country who had to go as well. That song is about emigration and saying goodbye to Ireland. And of course, then all those in more recent times who many of you would remember the crash of the Celtic Tiger when people just left this country by the new time. It's part and parcel of our history, but beautiful song indeed by Jimmy McCarthy from Mary Black this afternoon on Late Lunch. Our final break of the day and the week and afterwards David Sheehan looks ahead to the weekend in sport. Friday afternoon and we're looking ahead to the weekend in sport. GAA and soccer in focus today and joining us is our presenter of Sunday Sport, David Sheehan. David, good to talk to you again. How are you doing, Jerry? I'm good. Let's begin with this evening and the League of Ireland. Uh, Drawn a no game because of international call-ups. Dundalk face Shamrock Rovers and David you'd have to say there's an edge to this one because of the whole ticketing situation Yeah absolutely I mean there's no love loss between the two clubs anyway given the, the kind of rivalry that's been there for the last number of years um, but quite apart from that Jerry I mean Dundalk need the points here in a big way you know they're, they're third from bottom of the table they're just two points clear of Waterford uh, in that sell- in that second from bottom spot which of course will bring them into a relegation playoff with the, the first division uh, results from the team that come out of that playoff in the first division I should say but you know, they beat Rovers at Oriel Park earlier this season. Rovers obviously beat Dundalk in the two games at Tala. But, you know, you're going to have a big crowd there tonight. The atmosphere is back. I was in heading the game park uh, last Friday night for the draw match and the atmosphere was fantastic. So I can only imagine what it would be like tonight in, in Oriel for this one. Um, so, yeah, like Dundalk really needs the points. The title is really wrapped up for, for Rovers at this point, you'd imagine, bar some kind of collapse. Um, but they'll still obviously want to win because of the rivalry that's there. So it should be a cracking game. I know Adrian is covering it live for us. It should be a cracking match. I'd probably sit in the fence here, go for a draw. I'm not sure if Dundalk quite have enough to, to get the win, but they've been in great form lately, so who knows? But it should be a, it should be a fantastic game and a fantastic atmosphere there. So David Sheehan going for the draw tonight at Oriel Park. Now let's head uh, across the uh, European continent, way over to Azerbaijan, because Ireland continued their forlorn World Cup qualification campaign at this stage. But funny enough, like you said about Dundalk in the Rovers context, for Stephen Kenny and Ireland, this game in Azerbaijan is a big one. Absolutely. I mean, Stephen Kenny needs uh, all the wins he can get, and he hasn't had uh, had any, I'm trying to think... Um, the, the, the wins against uh, Andorra, I guess, in that friendly match is probably the one that comes to mind. But, you know, two points in five games, no wins, uh, three defeats. The draw against Azerbaijan at home uh, not that long ago where they got a last last minute or almost a last minute equaliser from Shane Duffy. But, you know, everyone's saying this is a must-win game. It is a must-win game, I suppose, but they couldn't beat them at home. So there's no reason to think that they, they'll be able to beat Azerbaijan away. Um, so I wouldn't be massively confident. Like, Azerbaijan ranked 117th in the world, Ireland 50. Uh, which is maybe a little bit generous given their recent form. It's a it's a huge game, but as much as as much as they need a win, I don't necessarily see them getting it. Um, I think we could be looking at another another draw here, and of course it'd be great to see Ireland get a win and lift a little bit of pressure off Stephen Kenny's shoulders. But uh, it's going to be very difficult for them. And as I said, if, if you can't beat these teams at home, there's no you know you've got no real expectation of going away and winning. So I I think we could be looking at another one all draw here. Um, at best, but well, look, we'll have to wait and see. It'd be great to see them getting a win, and I think everybody wants to see Stephen Kenny doing well, particularly those of us that follow the League of Ireland. But 
think it's going to be very tough on Jerry, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be massively confident. But I think a draw is the best they might do here. So draw, draw in his soccer prediction so far. But I have to remind you that David Sheehan got it one hundred percent right last week in terms of the Loud Senior Football Championship. We're moving the GA now. He predicted all four semi finalists. Today, you're going to look at your home county, Meath, and it all begins this evening, quarterfinals in the Championship, with St. Colm Kills taking on Dunboyne. How do you see this one? Yes, St. Colm Kills and Dunboyne. I mean, I know from, from my chatting to my producer on Sunday sports, James McAlerney, that there's a little bit of confidence in, in St. Colm Kills that they can maybe uh, upset the apple cart here, because Dunboyne would be favourite. It's, it's been played in Ashburn tonight at 8 o'clock this game. You know, Dunboyne have the likes of Rowan Jones, Donal Lenehan, Shane McEntee, Seamus Lavin, Gavin McCoy, like all established Mead players down through the years. St. Colm Kills, though, have Graham Riley still going. They've got James Conlon, they've got Ben Brennan, so they've plenty of talent of their own. It will be hard to bat it, to, to bet against Dunboyne in this one. I think I'd have to tip them to come through by a few points. I think it'll be close. I think St. Colm Kills will give them a good run for it, but I, I think Dunboyne should come through this one. Then Saturday, tomorrow, two games. First up, Donamore Ashbourne against Gail Colm Kill. Will you be going with the Kills in this one? Yeah, you'd have to go for Gail Colm Kill, I think, in this one. I mean, it's kind of peculiar... Donovan Ashburn have come out of their group on, with two points. Um, Ratose topped that group A with six points, three wins from three. But Ashburn and, and the two other teams in that group all had two points. And Ashburn and Donovan Ashburn just came out uh, on scoring difference. So they, they've come through having lost two matches in the group, which is unusual. Gail Colin Kill, heartbreak last year in the final with that last-minute goal against Ratose. They've been knocking on the door really hard for the last five or six years and they just haven't been able to get across the line. But I, I fancy them to come through this one and get through to another semi-final. And maybe this will be their year, who knows. Can you split Wolf Tones and Nafina? It's the second game tomorrow. I think this is probably the tightest one to call of, of the four quarterfinals. And um, you know, you've got Summerhill. Or sorry, you've got rather uh, Wolf Tones there. Who you know, they came second in the group. They were level in points with Gail Colin Kill, which is uh, an indication that they're going quite well. Nafina though topped their group um, over uh, St. Colin Kills with five points. So both teams have come through with five points from the groups, kind of identical records. It's going to be very tight. I just give a slight edge to Nafina in this one, and I've nothing really strong to base that on. It's just a little, a little hunch I have, but this of the four games, I think, is definitely the tightest one to call, but I'm just going to give Nafina a slight edge in that one. And then on Sunday, the centrepiece of your show is the fourth and final quarterfinal in Mead, Summerhill taking on Rathod, the uh, team of uh, this time or this era. They're going for three in a row, David. Can they get past Summerhill? Yeah, getting going for, going for three in a row. And this is a repeat of the, the 2019 final, of course. Rathod uh, won that one and, of course, won last year as well, as you mentioned. So going for three in a row. Again, you know, this will be a tight one. Summerhill, like they're one of those clubs in me that I always have to take my hat off to them. They're in the mix every single year. I haven't won it for quite a while, but they're always getting to quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. Uh, they're always knocking on the door, and you never see them anywhere near a relegation scrap. So it's a huge credit to them that every year they keep coming back. Um, they came second in their group behind Dunboyne, and uh, Retold, as I mentioned earlier, three wins from three, so they look very strong. Again, I imagine this will be fairly close, but it, I'd imagine Retold will just have a bit too much for, for Summerhill in this one. I'd fancy them to progress and, and get through to another semi-final and, and potentially keep that uh, three in a row going. So David Sheehan believes Dunboyne, Gail Columkill, Nafin and Rathoth will be in the hat for the semi-final draw after this weekend. And don't forget to join David on Sunday Sport for that big game, Summerhill and Rathoth and more besides on Sunday afternoon. David, for the moment, thanks a million. Thanks, Sherry. Yes, uh, David Sheehan there taking us through soccer and GAA looking ahead to the weekend. Wish Ireland well in Azerbaijan tomorrow. 
hopefully they'll get the result or a win we need a win there for, for for the country for the team for Stephen Kenny as well we really do need a win in that game and good luck to all the clubs in GAA and of course in Dock playing Rovers this evening anyway that's our lot on late lunch for another week what a great week it's been I've really enjoyed all our guests through the week they've been fantastic and I thank them all for their time and contribution to the show to you our listeners who join with us every day we know you're out there and we love your company and we get a great kick when you get in touch with us as well you make late lunch what it is and of course to the woman herself I couldn't do without her Miss Louise Walsh thanks a million for everything Uh, my sidekick on the show and this wouldn't happen without that woman I tell you that every week and I really do mean it anyway have a lovely weekend take care of yourselves the weather's uh, iffy to say the least but look you can wrap up a bit and keep the rain off and get out there it's lovely and mild take care of yourselves enjoy the weekend Paul McKenna's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio do stay with us and we'll be back with a brand new week of Late Lunch on Monday from 1.30. We'll see you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. With over 300 cars to choose from, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars in Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie for more details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.